I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 315. 15 of Video Games Hot Dog. We the finally first beat those idle thumbs fuckers. Have no. we? I don't think so. Yeah, we're they, their last episode was 314. Was, oh, because it was pie. Okay. Yeah. Good. They went huh. to uh, a monthly schedule. Right. That's. I mean, that's helped us a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Then we skipped some for the holidays. And... Yeah. They, well, they chose to become worse than us. <clears throat> and so now we're better. It's true. Yeah. We're outdoing them on their own hardware. That's right. I mean, their Patreon backers' own hardware. We started this <laughs> podcast because they went on hiatus, or they stopped. One of the times that they went on hiatus. The first, the first time. The, like, the hey, time we're, as, they... we're as good as Idle Thumbs. <laughs> uh, that, that we knew for sure was not true, but we, uh, we, we thought, oh, there was a void. We can fill the void. Um, yeah, yeah there's, a vo- there's not enough people making fart jokes about video games on true. the internet. Um. At that point, were you all three in the same room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a room in Arizona. Yeah. It's terrible. It was a terrible room. There were blankets tacked to the ceiling. Oh, yeah. And the, and the walls. <laughs> it was it was yeah, very much it like was, this room, just it was less. like a big blanket. Yeah, like a shitty just, trailer just park orange. version of this studio, yeah. No, it was also kind of orange. <laughs> we only had orange blankets. Yeah. And like lime green. Tinker orange Taylor green. Soldier Spy hadn't come out yet. That's also That's true. That's true. We didn't have anything to base it on. How you doing, Riff? I'm doing all right. How, How was you your doing? New Year's? Oh, it was okay. It was real casual. I didn't uh, I didn't really go out or do anything. I just hung out and relaxed. Relaxed all by myself in my nice apartment, not having to deal with any family or hold any conversations. It was good. Speaking of, how was Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It, it was dull, but Christmas is always just sort of waiting for the next meal. So, so Riff, <laughs> it's it's also sometimes like celebrating the fellowship of your family. Oh yeah, like, sure, sure, like that too. If you had if you had the choice, would you just not go for Christmas? Nah, I would probably go. Riff, Riff has the choice. I Doesn't, do. I do have the. Well, do you? I could. Ref- yeah. See, that's true. <laughs> I could refuse. That would not go down well. <laughs> you could murder your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How I mean, no one to- would be surprised. Let's be honest. How many people would you have to kill before before I become nobody the would- king? No. Before-, before no one was disappointed in yeah. you. Oh. <laughs> wow. wow. That's quite a question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd have to kill everyone except uh, uh, the subset of humanity that's like sociopathic murderers, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, there's people true. who don't know Riff, so they don't have expectations. You don't think that they would just be like ambiently disappointed to find out that some like, some uh, kid, I was about to say some kid had murdered his yeah. family. I feel like you could describe my feelings about someone I don't know if they're like, if they they don't meet the expectations I have of an average human. <laughs> You could describe my reaction to that I as mean, being disappointed. Does okay. Does does the disappointment like chain? Because like obviously the Dalai Lama and the Pope are going to be disappointed in me, so I'm going to have to kill them. So does my mm-hmm. having killed them? Does the disappointment other people feel about that? Does that count? Yeah, I mean, I guess if the Pope finds out about it, you then have to kill every Catholic. Yeah. Jeez. Can can disappointment be replaced with rage? Riff, and why are you willing to go to such extreme lengths to avoid <laughs> having a nice family get together for Christmas? Is the is the bigger question here? It's uh, hmm. I I I guess I don't know. I'd never considered it before. Well, like I, I feel like I would have a strong impulse to to make the 
trip more to my liking, right? Like, <clears throat> I don't know, find a room escape to do with your folks or... Yeah, there's like, really nothing out there. Um, I mean, it gives me plenty just not of time get, to... To pick a different locale, like yeah. still meet up together, but go somewhere else. We would have to, to, come to, we would have to get like, we would have to get the two uncles and the aunt and the various cousins to go to wherever that was as well. Are it's easy local? to get two uncles to do something. <laughs> mm, <laughs> when, when the one uncle is like the family troll who only does things if they'll piss off your dad. <laughs> Well, I'm not saying your specific two uncles. Okay. I'm just saying it's, it's easy to get two uncles to do things. Like it's, it's uncles in general are two uncles. agreeable. Yeah, two uncles, doubly so. Everyone is like every pair of people is as agreeable as the sum of the agreeableness of the two people. <laughs> and uncles, I mean, they're they're avuncular. Like there's a word. Oh, that's true. There is a that's word a based point. on the word uncle that means kind of agreeable and and cheerful. <laughs> Well, okay, so you got two you got two uncles, one of whom is a troll. So is that is he an uncle by marriage or are you a quarter troll? <laughs> uh no, he is uh my father's actual brother, so he uh, so I guess that makes me uh Oh, well let's see. That depends is uh <laughs> how does this family tree shake out? Um is it a recessive my, or a dominant trait? Uncle, yeah, is my if my uncle is a troll, does that mean that his father was a double troll? <laughs> no, it just means that it just means that you somewhere in your lineage is troll DNA. It's hard to tell okay. too because if you chop so down like a, a limb on the troll section of the tree, it regenerates if you don't burn it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like lightning strikes will do some damage to the troll family tree, but uh yeah. Uh so your dad's brother only shows up to Christmas to piss your dad off? And normally lives under a bridge. Well, he he lives in the place where we go for Christmas, and he kind of- Under a bridge. Yeah, he kind of calculates all of his conversation in ways guaranteed to piss my dad off. So, He's I mean, like it seems like nobody wants you like in this that. house, and you don't want to be in it. Yeah, it seems like so you should why... just exclude this uncle from holidays. Well, you just... know, <laughs> that, that'd be cool. But I mean, have you said this to anybody else? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> well, huh. does your dad like him? No. Okay, well, so there's like, at least two votes right there. Yeah, what, I, like you can't. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's how family works, I guess. No, that's or, revolt. Or how, 2018 that's how it works in 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 uh, Crisfield Shore, Maryland. 2018 is all about uh, overthrowing the established regime. <laughs> all right, what are we gonna overthrow here? We're not buying. We're not getting Christmas. Presents. We just beat out idle phones. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. We've oh, overthrown true. the established <laughs> regime. Yep, yeah. by at ten percent of their listenership. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to do ten times as many episodes as they do before we've really caught up. Yeah, well, in the you, hearts and minds. If of you the, think of it as per hour, then we beat them a long time ago. That's probably true. Oh, are episodes longer? <clears throat> yeah, sometimes like I would say on average, probably twice as long as theirs. Wow, jeez. Um, no wonder we have fewer listeners. <laughs> we went. Kevin and I went to Christmas in uh, in, in Australia, in Arizona. Um, it was they're, good. They're, they're close because all it the countries was, are alphabetized. Arizona was cold, and it was really kind of unpleasant. Uh, it was way more pleasant than like the East Coast is right now. Yeah, but I, but I, okay. So I would argue that. Arizona being cold was more unpleasant because I was there. (laughs) 
Your presence so more unpleasant made to it me. unpleasant? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. That's also how I heard it. Yeah, so. no, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. What'd you do for Christmas, Jim? Um, you know, there was a tree and there were cats. Sometimes the cats were under the tree. Did they ever crawl up in it? A little bit. Nice. You and, you and yeah. April had Christmas together? Yeah, yeah. Did you have more folks? Yeah, we hosted this year. So both of our fa- – well, by, by both of our families, I mean like, I don't know, probably five or six people from each side showed up. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was nice. Did, it was, they, did they all stay with you? No. That seems – No, no. They live around here. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've got family in, <clears throat> in, the, in the Bay Area. So. Does hosting just involve the day of or do they come over like Christmas Eve or how does that all uh, – We did it the day of. Okay. Yeah. How do you decorate a Christmas tree? Just put oh, shit on Jesus. it till it's no, nice. No, I'm saying how do you decorate a Christmas tree? <laughs> <laughs> how does one decorate a Christmas tree? Uh, I mean, we, we put lights on it. Like, uh-huh. Do you have any feelings about how a Christmas tree should be direct- decorated is my, my, my uh, it question. It should look here. nice. Okay. It, should, it should be like pleasant to look at. And Do you care if the tree has decorations on it? No, the back of the tree has decorations. The, um, Sorry. Only if it's visible. Okay. So if it's like in a corner yeah, of the wall, then, you just wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah. This one was like on a wall, but not in a corner. So it was kind of visible. So we had to decorate right. the whole thing, which sure. is, you know, a pain in the ass. Candy canes, yes or no? Um, the candy canes get eaten first. Okay. So you don't so, put them on the tree and yeah, then eat no, them off it's the tree? Too late. Oh, okay. It's too late for that. Do you no, nothing edible. Stockings? Uh, yes. So no chains of popcorn? Is, is, is this like, is this in like an, are you trying to like get, Add revenue from this and get my. <laughs> well, I mean, you have. They haven't even asked the rele- the really relevant question yet, which is: Are uh-huh. the ornaments all spheres, or are they random bric-a-brac? Oh, random bric-a-brac. bric-a-brac. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the spheres are there to fill. Like fill it. We've got a bunch of spheres, and we'll put them up there. But like, they're fill- they're, they're only for space fillers. Yeah, they fill in the gaps. Bric-a-brac. The bric-a-brac is, and there's a lot of like bric-a-brac with history there. Like right. there's. We got some paper mache tacos that <laughs> that um see that's the kind of shit I hate. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Zach uh is the minority report in this situation where he well, I, can't yeah, I, I only require wooden spheres <laughs> that contain all of the data about crimes. <laughs> Christmas crimes. I I I I go either way. I appreciate like a historical piece of bric a brac, but I also really like like a designed Christmas tree with like a certain color palette and contrasting sure. balls and stuff. What what about a Christmas tree that was nothing but uh, fiber optic leads uh, with like a, a sort of rotating light selection down at the base? Oh, that would hmm. be rad. I've never seen one human size. I've only ever seen like a tiny little, little desktop little one. Yeah, desktop yeah. size ones. So, but, Zach, you're colorblind, right? Uh, it, no, like I'm, a, I'm like red green deficient. Red it's green not deficient. that meaningful. And so it's not like. So I, I saw a joke where someone was saying that oh, everything looks brown at Christmas because of the uh, the red and the green, and I was just wondering, like, I I feel like it's pretty much impossible to make a Christmas tree like not look cheerful when it's glowing red and green all 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 the time, you know, all over. The, um, I mean, a Christmas tree is green. I don't so like what I would do. Left to my own devices. Yeah, green tree, obviously, because that's what color trees are. Right. Uh, white lights only. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No flashing. No blinking. Uh, no blinking. I, but I like. I like. So what I would ideally have is every bulb on a random pattern, slowly fading in and out hmm. at hmm. at that different rates, like stars. 
Yeah, well, like a starscape, yeah, like stars uh, over compressed, but with, with trillions of years compressed into sure. yeah, uh, and silver garland, no tinsel, and blue. Sh- blue shiny spheres and maybe some silver spheres also. Sure, yeah. So everything, that everything sounds real you've got, a, you've got a yeah. very specific vision here. Is it because you've never been able to do it? No, I have a couple times. Okay. But then, like, people, other people come in and try to enjoy their own holidays according to their own whims, and they'll hang some historically charged bric-a-brac They'll, like, on burn it. the middle out by just putting a menorah just, like, in the tree. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Got a cat-shaped menorah. It's for oh, huh. Does it have like nine it's, tails? It's for putting cats in the tree. Anyway, it's a, a cat, cat, cat in a nine tree tail shape. Like, yeah, this is our. <laughs> this is the. This is how we decorate our Jewish S and M dungeon. That's <laughs> with a cat of nine tails menorah. Yeah, you know, there there is somebody for whom that would be the perfect gift. That yeah, sounds lovely. Um, we had a um a guest who basically the reason we chose to host this year was that um, our old roommate who moved out didn't have any family nearby. And he asked if we could, you know, he could come to our Christmas party and we, we weren't hosting at the time he asked. And the reason that we chose to host when the opportunity came up was basically so that he would have a place to go for Christmas. Oh, that was nice. Um, how, and how the Christmas spirit <clears throat> of you. So, yeah. but, but they have, oh, they had moved out. Uh, they moved out of this, yeah, yeah, our old roommate that no longer lives here. So they came back just for Christmas? Just for Christmas. And they moved out locally? I guess so, yeah. Okay. I, I think, like, not not that locally, but in-ish. Okay. Um, and we had gotten, like, we, we so we had had um, to fill an emergency stocking for this guy because we had an unexpected uh, new uh, person um, is an emergency and, stocking filled with things like flares and band-aids <laughs> and EpiPens. Yeah, and just we took all the first aid a kits we had. Mirror, a solar blanket. Yeah, I was say a space blanket. Yeah. Right, right. Fishing line. And we had gotten like between. So we went to like three or four different places over, um, like different like family households over. Um, New Year's Eve and Christmas. Stealing a little bit from each stocking. And well, what happened was that we just got candy everywhere we went. And you you know how like when you're a fat person, every people are like, here's some candy. You should stay fat. Wait, (laughs) I think, I feel like that just happens to everybody, whether you're fat or not. Okay. I don't don't think that's a thing that. Well, maybe I have a limited perspective perspective here. Like, you know how when you're a fat person, sometimes you have to go to the bathroom and, like, urine comes out of your dick? It's the worst. (laughs) You were fat once, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. And boy, I tell you, I don't miss it. Like, that was a, that's waste, such a waste of time having to spend all that time in the bathroom. You know, they they make, like, containers that you can use under your desk. Oh. It saves a lot of time. You just need extra room in your pants. (laughs) That's right. Uh, so we ended up taking like something like probably two pounds of candy from the amount we had gotten and just filled a stocking with that. Wow. We it decided was, just not to do stockings this year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I could be convinced not to do presents at all. We decided not to do presents next 20, year. 2018. Yeah. 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 So you're like so. weaning yourself off of it. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, because it's fun to go and have Kevin make chocolate martinis for the moms. We can do that wherever. It's yep. fun to like walk around and look at Christmas lights and stuff. But what's not fun is the agonizing process in the month leading up to Christmas of trying to figure out how to get presents for everybody who were all like middle class people who buy the things that we need and we don't have room for more mm. random shit. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, I feel like what ends up happening is that you get detritus like the sort of thing that you would hang from a tree like um my mom got everybody uh these little <clears throat> squeezable figurines where you like shove a ball into their mouth and then you squeeze it and the ball shoots out hmm. and we had like a two minute fight with these balls shooting at them at each other and then they just went in the trash basically okay and like they were probably like eight bucks each and i guess like if I'm trying to like think about what, whether this was worth it to her, like based on like her income and her feelings about how important it is to like see people smile for two minutes, it's probably worth it to her. But that like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with that outcome as a giver myself. Yeah. I like throughout the year, if somebody says that they want or need something, but it's not like an immediate thing, I will just write it down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've got that. like a text. You've got like a text file. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and I will just refer to that. You know, like a month or so before Christmas. But for people that I don't spend a bunch of time around, it becomes a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Like, I I have not. I got like Zach's mom a good present one year, and then just ever since then, I've just not had any. My like my mom and I basically treat Christmas as a sort of a high pressure single order from Amazon that doesn't get prime shipping <laughs> because I will send her a link to a thing that I want that I would otherwise have just clicked the buy button yeah. instead of clicking the address bar so I could copy the URL and she send it to her. She prime shipping though. Yeah. She's on your account. Well, but okay, that's true. That's true. I guess the, the thing that I got this year from my mom, which was a bench router, uh, was, it was delivered via Amazon prime. But to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is for... This is for it. Uh, it didn't come with any bits. Went to get some router oh. bits, and router bits are like forty dollars each. Wow, it's wow. crazy. Um, but I mean, you know, these woods are not going to cut curved surfaces out of themselves. Why is it called the bench router? Uh, well, it's uh, so a router normally is like a handheld thing that you like slide along the edge of a thing or whatever. Okay, uh, and a bench. Uh, you, the bench is a second thing that you mount it coming up from the bottom. So you have a surface that you slide stuff across and it holds the router bit in the middle. So you can, I like, see it's just like a work surface for it. And it goes on top of a bench as opposed to being like a hand power tool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I made planters filled with succulents for, for the moms this year. I think they like them. Yeah. All I saw was their flaws. Uh, the, the moms, succulent? I mean, the th yeah. <laughs> uh, I've I've spent the last several years convincing my parents that an Amazon wish list is a good idea and they should have one of their own and also just buy me anything you see that looks good off of mine. Yeah. And people a lot of people huh. like for a lot of people the important an important aspect of it is the surprise. Yeah, that's why sure. it took so long the surprise and like making it more of a personal kind of thing right but, uh, right so you get like the it's just so much easier <laughs> yeah well what, what happens a lot of the time is you tell them what you want 
Like, I want the new Call of Duty game. And they go to the store and they explicitly don't buy that because that wouldn't be a surprise. You right. you get the one that's like, that's similar, that's the, the similar, knockoff. The, the yeah, doll the of version, The version yes. you didn't want or the one right. that you already have. Or, right, yeah. Or, or some way that it is wrong because they didn't get the thing you said. Yeah. Uh, yep. But yeah, I'm I'm glad we seem to have finally sorted it out. So I I don't have that much trouble with the the gift giving or receiving anymore. So do they they do make Amazon wish lists? My dad my dad puts a couple things on a on a wish list when the season comes around, and my my mom does not use the Amazon wish list, but she will tell me like get me something from Acorn dot com or something, and and and. Uh, that stuff is usually also on Amazon. What's acorn.com? Yeah. It's like, uh, they do, I don't know if it's .com, it's acorn something or other. They do like, uh, a lot of the BBC, uh, America series on DVD and stuff like that. Mm, Okay. Acorn.squash. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yay! And a Happy New Year. God bless us, uh, everyone. Sorry we didn't do a show last week. I ended up changing my travel plans a little bit and uh was not in town it's on okay Wednesday. we all needed the t- extra time to play cosmic star heroin that's true <laughs> yeah all uh, right i forgot to do that oh well we were taking some bets during dinner we figured yeah we thought that it was available on mac because of the internet but the internet was wrong about this and so many other things uh, do you think that if a nuclear war starts that Twitter is responsible. Downtown San Francisco will be an early target. Hmm. Well, hmm. I don't know. Have you seen On the Beach? No. no. It's a well, it was a book, but it's also a movie from the fifties, maybe about um, about how like the entire northern hemisphere has been obliterated by nuclear war, and the radiation is approaching you know this town in in Australia. And everybody's going to be dead in six months, and it's just a movie about like what happens to these people in that in that six months. A lot of sex on the beach. Uh, they just what happens in the movie is that they just live their lives as normal, because huh. like apparently it's not acceptable. Like they, they, they it's not psychologically uh, okay for them to you know quit their jobs or drop out of school. I imagine there's more sex happening. Okay. I mean, I just always like to imagine sex happening, so sure. I probably would too if I watched it. Um, anyway. So your your suggestion is that it doesn't matter if San Francisco is a target, or that we would be lucky if San Francisco was a target and we were just instantly obliterated. But yeah, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't think San Francisco is a high priority target. But, but there we are we don't produce weapons, right? We're and nuking like, San Francisco does not actually destroy Facebook, right? Like <laughs> in a meaningful way. I mean, maybe it does. Getting rid of Facebook headquarters would would be bad for Facebook. Yeah, but it wouldn't go away, I don't think. I think there are enough operation centers for all of that stuff elsewhere that, like, there's not a lot of infrastructure. There's not a lot of, like, nationwide internet infrastructure that actually exists in the city. Um, I mean, if a couple of nukes hit the U.S., it wouldn't destroy all life on Earth. No. Right? No. Like. It's because, I mean, you know, there there was a time in history when some assholes launched a couple nukes, mm-hmm. you know, and like those places are more or less okay now. 
kind of sad. Not allowed to have guns or an army. <laughs> but <laughs> but they've got awesome looking uh, fake guns. All, all their toy guns are really realistic because no one has real ones. Oh, yeah. So there's no way of mistaking it. Yeah. You know what else they have? Gundams. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's like a lady gun, right? <laughs> no, it's like if you like if there's a river and you want oh, to there okay. to be a lake there instead, you just pile up a bunch of guns because the guns have all had their barrels filled with lead. Oh, I had imagined you would shoot at the river and it damn. Oh, wow! That you just get like a Rambo just standing there the whole like all <laughs> the time, Rambo. just repeatedly shooting, <laughs> shooting a machine gun at the water <laughs> to stop it from flowing. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else feeding him ammo. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's pretty good. I mean, eventually somebody would, <clears throat> it would just fill up with bullets like uh, Tom Francis's new game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you been looking at Tom's gifs? Occasionally. Of, that stuff's ah, pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm really, uh, man, I can't wait for, I can't wait for there to be another Tom Francis game to play. It's always so fun to play them. So those true. Those Tom Francis games. He should win some awards. Yeah, he should. We're we're up for the we're uh, West of Loathing is up for the IGF grand prize against the heat signature by Tom Francis. And I texted him saying congratulations. Also, we are now sworn enemies. <laughs> and I recommended that we both team up and defeat Bennett Foddy to improve right. each of our chances. <laughs> Bennett would outsmart us somehow. Yeah, I am a hundred percent sure that he would. Yeah, um, he's already he's already planned this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, oh, that he's, would be part of the long game. It. That would be fantastic if it were like an if the IGF were like an Olympic event instead of uh, or a or battle a death royale. Race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. If if the way the IGF Grand Prize worked was everybody had to play all of the games on it, all of the developers <laughs> had to play all of the games on it, like, and the one that couldn't be beaten was the one that won. <laughs> like Bennett, wow. Bennett was planning for this the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, gu- I guess speaking of video games, has anybody been playing any video games? I have played a few. What are I, uh, So I downloaded, it's the Steam sale for another few hours, uh, and I downloaded Aztez and Prey on the Steam sale and gave each, other, each of them about an hour of play. Um, Aztez was baffling to me. I, I think it's beautiful. And it seems like it's just an incredibly deep brawler, but I have never really played a brawler before. Um, like I never really even played Street Fighter or whatever. Right? So it's like, oh, but it's a fighting game. Not a, I mean, because like you played a ton a of. I think I think of a brawler as like Castle Crashers. Oh, when I, well, when I think of fighting games, I think of like PvP one-on-one fighting games. Yeah, which Aztez is right. Like, aren't you always fighting one? No, there's multiple enemies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so Aztez came out, it was, it was worked on for many, many years. Like six or seven years. Uh, yeah. and it came out and six just kind of seven years, just yeah. kind of tanked and uh, yeah, no one yeah. expected so it is, to. This and is there the was a game like a, that like looked like the side of a vase, right? Kind of. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, you might be thinking right. of Apothea, Apotheon. Yeah, maybe. This oh. is a, this oh, is yeah. a but black and white. It's like South American. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of a different game then. It's black and white art. That it's is very stylized, so like that's why you could I could imagine you getting. But it's not the gr- it's not the Greek one that you're okay, thinking. Okay, okay, um, yeah. Um, there's a it's black and white, and then there when you hit enemies, there's blood, so there's red blood, and then you can sort of 
siphon that up and use it for special attacks and stuff. Yeah. But it's like a brawler that also has a kind of an empire management yeah, sim which layer I, onto it, which I never got to when I... I, I tried, I spent a while trying, and I was just baffled. Like, I did not understand what I was doing with it. The tutorial was so. The tutorial was long just about the fight and sequences. Just about the fighting, and it was like kept introduced. Like, it was kind of like if Metroid 2, in addition to introducing the melee counter thing, had also said, okay, so now you got that. Now here's. You also got a base management. Eight system. other things that are like that. And then also there's a base management game. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was weird. There's like a 15 page instruction manual included in the game, which I was like, ah, God, I just kind of wanted to play a game. And like, it, it is clearly a very deep game. And for, I think it's going to, I think it is, has an audience out there and whether they know about it or not is problematic. But, uh, it just wasn't something that was up my alley at all, which I, I felt really bad about. Because I think it's, I think it was lovingly crafted. Like it's a beautiful game, but just not something that I can get into. I don't think. I should find this. I, I read an article a while back that was like, it was a lamentation from, I want to say like some guy who worked at Bell Labs in the fifties or something. Hmm. It was basically like the tools that people use. If you try to make them accessible to new people, that hinders their ability to function as tools, right? Okay. Like the drive to make everything very easy to use results in a bunch of things that are not as good as they could be if we were willing to like make people learn how to use a thing. And I think that there are something like the original XCOM, right? Which is very well liked. But I think it's probably very well liked because you only 20 years on hear from the people who spent the time learning the intricacies right. of the thing. And I think it's a hard sell to sell an entertainment product now that has a steep learning curve. Yeah, I feel like if this had come out supports... 15 years ago, it would have been incredible and people would have flocked to it. Yeah. But the space is so crowded now that you want to have an experience. Like you have to start having fun within the first few minutes of a game well, or, what's, or what's, no one is going to play it. What's especially perverse about like having a seven year development cycle is that, yeah, I bet even seven years ago, this would have done well. Hmm. Like That's when they started true. making it, I bet it would have done a, if, if they'd released it the day they started making it, then it would have done well. Which kind of, wonder, well, like you want, it makes me wonder whether you should have had, like, should have been like an early access game four years ago yeah, or something. Maybe. Like when early access first started. There was an article about it that I don't really remember. I remember there being a lot of like shitty backlash to it directed at the developers that was largely kind of based on assumptions about their attitudes that I know they're, they don't have. Huh. Uh, because it was like, this game should have been a success and it tanked. What the fuck? the indie games are doomed or whatever. And like nothing that they were quoted as saying in the article was them whining about right. that. But the response to it was guess, as though that's what had happened. Uh, the, the article that I remember that talked about Aztez was sort of talking about how they didn't necessarily really pay a bunch of attention to the landscape of, of games uh, and promotion in the like past well, five years, everyone was like, like everyone that we know was excited about the game and yeah. assumed that it was going to come out and be a big splash. Yeah. Right. And that was just kind of the pervasive and thing the fact about that it, it launched like, like about a week or so before West of Loathing and was also a black and white game that had, that had what I felt like was a, a, a big following and 
like a, a, what I assumed was going to be a critical success was really scary to me because I was like, oh, well, we're screwed because like their game at least looks really pretty. I, you know? I mean, I, I kind of didn't feel that way. Sure. And like, sorry, you guys who made this game, but like I bought it when it came out and I was like, oh, this game is bad. <laughs> like this just is not fun. Like I don't because you're because I, it like was so I don't to want into. to finish the tutorial. Like the the stuff that the that's, tu- what, that that's the how I felt fighting about game, XCOM when I played it, the original. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I want like. I like the way this looks and I like the things that it's about and I'm excited at the idea of a game that takes place in this, but I don't want to do the things that the game is it's, telling me to do right now. And so I just, y- if you just start playing the game and you don't do the tutorial, like it's not the first handful of fights at least are not hard and you could just beat them without, without knowing any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like, I feel like it, it might have made more sense to, to try to make it more accessible for just a casual player and i don't know what that would have entailed necessarily probably a lot of work um but yeah uh and so then i also spent about an hour playing prey um and that is also a game that that uh like that tanked well yeah it didn't do as well as i think it was expected to for sure um and i think the the first hour or so at least the way the first hour that i played uh was a little weird like i i spent uh, uh, probably the first 15 minutes just in the the opening room just reading a bunch of book articles and things like that it's it's dense in a strange way at the beginning and then sparse in 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 the sort of interactions that i would have expected uh and it took it took a good 30 45 minutes before i felt like i was sort of Oh, okay, here I'm sort of getting a sense of what the game is supposed to be. Right. Um, and I, and I think, you know, most people probably wouldn't poke into as many nooks and, you know, corners and crannies and stuff as I did. But it rewards doing that, which is sort of a weird counterintuitive thing. Cause like if you go, the, would you, if you leave your apartment, there's a person who's like working on some pipes, uh, in that hallway. And if you just keep talking to them, like their dialogue gets weird in an interesting way. And you're like, what is going on? Like it's, it hints at a greater mystery, but only if you like really push at it, which I think a lot of people probably don't do. And so it like, it like those kinds of cues make you just want to push at every system until it stops responding. Right. Um, but then that sort of slows down your progress. It, I, it's, it's such a strange, like mixture. Yeah. I, of, yeah, I, f- I feel like this, this genre, the, the immersive sim is kind of, one of the ways that it, one of the defining features is that there are lots of secrets. There's lots of yeah. things to find if you push at the corners. It's also weird though, because I think that in this one in particular, one thing that really, in my experience, causes trouble with immersive sims is when suddenly they're like, oh shit, we need an intro that teaches people how to play this game. So we need to put you in a space that you like can't come back to right. and like, you know, with like System Shock 2, there was just nothing in that. So like the, all of the stuff that you did to like learn to play the game before you got onto the space station was like these sort of boring environments that didn't have a lot of things to interact with and stuff. And this one, yeah, they wanted they to make like, it kind of go on. Yeah, it was like you're in a military training. Yeah. Like, yeah. B- b- it's cube. like explicitly a sim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and 
like with Prey, you're in an apartment that is very richly detailed, but like doesn't have a lot of stuff to mess around with right. and doesn't like none of the systems are there yet. And it's weird for them to put any content in that that you like are going to want to to like because you can spend a bunch of time picking stuff up and then spoiler uh, like 15 minutes later, or five minutes later, it's all gone. Right. Like there's no there was zero point in doing any of that except for. Um, like having a little story thrown at you, like having a linear story thrown at you in what is a totally non-linear story game. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, so it's just, it was just a weird tension. Um, yeah, like I think I'm going to get into it for sure, but it's, it was a, it was a little bit of a, a weird sort of rocky start. And I was curious whether that was potentially what caused some, some of its problems. Um, I, once it gets going, I think you're going to really, really dig it. Yeah. I can imagine for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the problems that people had with it were that like a lot of the weaknesses kind of show up in the last third of the game. Oh, huh. Like where it gets kind of maybe overlong and a little bit janky and, um, some of the systems don't work as well or they work, they work better thematically than they do, uh, system systemically. Okay. Um, I, my, my memories of the back like quarter of that game is, oh, okay. Now I have to go to a bunch of places that I've already been, but they are full of monsters. Enemies. And all I want to do is move from one space to another. So right. it's just running from monsters and quick loading if I get killed. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> like, what I did for like probably not, the, not the last quarter, but the last, I don't know, tenth of the game was yeah, just yeah, running yeah. past a bunch of enemies. Jeez. Okay. Interesting. That, and that's kind of, I guess, what I where I get the overlong idea from. Like, just maybe that part shouldn't just shouldn't have been there. I mean, if you had been rushing through it, you wouldn't have already been to all of the places that it was sending you necessarily, yeah. I, right? I, so, I mean, that's like, it. Part definitely part of that reaction was that I had already pretty thoroughly explored all these spaces. Yeah, it's it, not to get personal about it, but it's like the. There's, you know, criticism about West of Loathing where it's like our ending was abrupt and unmotivated I, or something like that. And didn't really, doesn't really change anything or it doesn't like, there's not really any stakes, but like, yeah, that I was a, lot a of deliberate the people, I think a lot choice. of the people who say that are people who gave the crown. Who, spoilers, yeah, who gave, yeah. did the crown and therefore, I, I mean, and we just made that, a lot of, the I think ending. we did make that too easy. Yeah. Or, or um, at the very least, we should have had a, are you sure you want to give this asshole a crown? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, oh well. Yeah, I mean, but even the, even still, like, I, I thought that the, even the the actual ending sequence, if you don't do one of the ending skip things, was also pretty anticlimactic, but hmm. other people liked it. I Like, Gary Butterfield talked about that sequence being good, which was like, ah, oh, like, okay, shoot, because that, like, <laughs> I fucking phoned that in. Like, it's, I mean, it's, that, it is, it has like, some advantages. It's, it's, it looks different than the rest of the game. That's true. It's, which I, yeah. gives it a set piece kind of feel. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, it has some good references in it. It's trouble. It, it's, it's the trouble with putting, with shoehorning narrative segments into a nonlinear, like into an open world game. Right. Right. I mean, people are, you know, people getting annoyed that you can't go back to boring springs, right? Like, yep. well, yeah, I, I gotcha there. Like it's, it's hundreds of miles away. That's yeah. <laughs> can't go there. We literally uh, signposted that. Um, 
But like, you know, you so can't go back was... to the opening apartment in Prey yeah. and that bothers you. Yeah. What was right. the, the design, uh, basis behind letting, not letting you go back to Boring Springs? I didn't want you to be able to change horses or partners once uh, you'd gotten the game going. Yeah, like okay. Boring Springs was just the tutorial and the part, like, like choosing the horse and the partner was a, was a further, like, character class choice, basically. Right. Um, just, I, I had this, I had this drive, and I've never been able to articulate this in a way that even makes sense to me. But, like, I was trying to build... I wanted us to be able to do branching narrative stuff where causality could only ever go in one direction. And this is a bad way of... Like, I didn't ever want you to be in the middle of a quest... And then go somewhere else and do something else and then have it suddenly pop up the fallout thing where it's like, hey, you failed this quest because now you've done something that made it so you can never finish this other thing. Like, I didn't ever want that to happen. I didn't want anything to be able to, like, materially change something that you were in the middle of in some other sequence. Um, And switching, being able to switch partners in the game would have been dramatically bad. I mean, it might have been okay. Like, it wouldn't have been that broken, I guess, but, like... I, I feel like ha- narratively having to commit to a, a... Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Prey and Aztez. And... Uh, those are the two PC games. And then I've played a fair number of uh, iOS games. Um, I finished The Silent Age, which is, I think, a pretty fun, like, iOS point-and-click adventure story. It's worth it. Like it has time travel, so that's cool. Um, it's uh, it's not like amazing by any means, but it's definitely worth. Oh, is that the one uh, that starts out set in like the seventies? You're like a yep. janitor. Okay. Yep. Oh, and yeah, the future the future is twenty twenty twelve. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, it has it has a couple of like really neat moments in it. Um, it's it's very sort of like order of operations puzzly. Uh, which if that isn't your jam, then it's not, you're not gonna like the game. But if you, if you dig that, uh, it's definitely worth doing. And there's a couple of cool little, um, like Easter eggy kind of interactions. Um, I got a pee. Don't talk about Cinco Paus until I get back. Okay. Uh, I played this game called, uh, Tower Fortress. It's a, it's one of the new, might be the new, uh, Nitrome game. Um, and it's sort of uh, the inverse of Downwell. You start at the bottom of a tower and you're trying to get up, uh, but your weapon only fires side to side. And so a lot of the tension of the game is dealing with enemies that all start above you and how to defeat them. Um, you, it, you have a sort of a double jump, and it, when you double jump, you start to spin. And that spin attack can damage enemies, but then you sort of fall out of the spin uh, it's like there's a pretty severe um, knockback when you hit something. So mm. it's it's actually pretty hard. Um, Downwell had the advantage of just like literally having a downwards attack while you were moving downwards, whereas the upwards attack, this being tied to the secondary movement uh, is pretty rough. There are some upgrades. Like every time you complete a level, you... Um, can unlock a new upgrade and like one of them is that your first jump not just your second jump and the double jump is that spin attack and that makes a huge difference because then anytime you're sort of moving upwards you're in this sort of attack mode um, which makes a big difference and then there's also a bunch of uh, weapons that you can acquire that will have like upwards components 
often like in a sort of a three-way shot in front of you or something like that. Uh, but those all have limited ammo, so you can't just fire them in infinitely. So there's quite, it's like a surprising amount of like resource management. Um, and I think it would be a great game on PC. It's pretty, the controls are pretty bad. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, it's a, it's like a four button situation at the bottom where it's jump, uh, left and right on the left, right. And then there's like a, another button that I think, or maybe it's just three buttons. Maybe it's just jump left and right. Um, and I am almost always having a problem where no it's jump it's it's jump fire left and right so it is four buttons uh and i I regularly just hitting the wrong button like especially right in the in the fire button which are right next to each other like and that's just it just gets to the frustrating to the point of like wanting to put it away yeah yeah that's my experience with basically every game with that control scheme yeah um and you know i i don't know that i have a good solution for them but it's it's just like well the solution is don't make a game like that on phones i guess yeah (laughs) sure um i played a couple of puzzle games i played uh cut the rope magic which is one of the like you know six different cut the rope games uh came out with a new level set uh which was actually pretty hard uh i think they've recognized that the people that are sticking around and interested in any level packs are interested in sort of a more of a challenging thing and so I, i i can recommend it as like much more interesting and challenging than uh, are these like paid level packs these i i paid i think the app is like a dollar or two but then all the level packs are free i think huh i could be wrong about that I so think, you've gotten like hundreds of hours of entertainment out of this thing that you paid two dollars yeah. for six years ago it's or a, whatever like, exactly it's weird they, like, they the level packs are infrequent at this point but they still keep coming out and i don't know it's just a good it is a good series of games the puzzles are generally pretty easy but if you want to get like a full completion like a three stars instead of just finishing the level uh sometimes you have to to really sort of think about it and there's all the games have different mechanics and there's like a bunch of just there's just a bunch of stuff going on it's just it's it's neat um and then i played another puzzle game called causality which is a it's a weird tile based uh game that's uh that's also got a little bit of time travel going on you're a little astronaut and you you like you're moving in a direction and you can sometimes flip these tiles on the floor that have you go like which sort of force you in a particular direction uh and you're just trying to get to your goal um there's a timeline on the bottom of the screen and as you sort of scroll through time uh every now and then like an event will occur like a tentacle popping out of a tile that would grab anything that's above it or um whatnot and you need to avoid those things while actually getting to the goal uh, and sometimes there are multiple little astronauts uh traversing the space and so you have to make sure that they don't run into each other or whatever oh so you're just setting up the environment and the astronauts are moving on their own basically yeah oh that's cool uh and so and the first level is mostly just sort of like teaching you how to move astronauts around and stuff like that and the second set of levels uh actually introduces um these these portals which teleport you both in space and in time whenever you enter one you will appear in the in the sort of corresponding portal at a specific point on the timeline so it can be forward or back uh from where you were uh which means that sometimes uh and it's really it's neat when you adjust the path such that a, a, a an astronaut would eventually get to the time the time teleporter portal uh, the second copy appears where they would be oh, instantly. Wow! 
Yeah. So it's, it's, it's jumping ahead in, in time that way. Uh, and I just, I just finished a level for the first time where, uh, I introduced a bit of paradox where the copies run into each other, preventing the first one from getting to the time portal, <sighs> which is so neat, right? Like, it's like so cool. It uh, looks really, really game? nice too. It's What's called it? cause, it's called causality. It was just in, it was like on the, in the iOS store in the recommended apps. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't. I've not gotten very far into it. There's, I'm just into the second series of levels, uh, and it's it is definitely challenging and really neat. And I'm curious what all kinds of mechanics they're going to introduce. Um, and then the the final game that I've played on iOS uh, is the new uh, Bro Like, which uh, I've not looked up any spoilers at at all, and I'm just totally fucking baffled. Are we Are we really adopting that? Bro, like I, I like that name. <laughs> I wish his name was pronounced Brogue. I wish it was Brogue, like. Is it not? I don't actually know how it's pronounced. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, so I could be, I could be wrong. Uh, it could be Brogue, like. It came out just as near as I could tell, unannounced. Like yep. he had kind of hinted at it and just like oh, just released a new. Like I've released ten games in the last ten years, and another one just came out on Christmas. Like yeah, ah, real good. Uh, it is called it's it's in Portuguese and the title uh, in English is Five Wands. Yeah, Cinco Paus, P O U S, P A U S, P A U S. And so I think I feel like Zach has played it a lot more and has, and knows a bunch more about it. I as as somebody who doesn't really know anything about it, it there are five wands uh, that are available for you to use in this five by five uh, sort of miniature roguelike game. You're wandering around. It's it is similar in a lot of ways to Imbroglio in terms of you having a set number of hit points and you have to like you run up and you run into other enemies and if you hit them first you do a point of damage to them and if that kills them they're dead otherwise they hit you back for a point of damage. Uh, but then the wands, which you can choose to use at any time once per level, do different things. And I think at the start of the game each one is unidentified and randomly assigned. And they're just baffling. Like, sometimes they make new walls. Sometimes, as far as I can tell, they do nothing. <laughs> I guess they're doing something, but, it, like, there just wasn't a valid target or something. Yeah. Uh, you they, only you only learn what the wands do if you observe the wand doing the thing that is triggered by the, by the rule that applies to them. Does – here's a question. Does each wand have five effects? Yes. Okay. So each wand apparently can do five things, which I've never, I've never actually seen a wand do all five of its things, but it will only do the things that it's, that make any sense for it to do, uh, when you activate it. And so sometimes it just obliterates enemies, which is cool because that's what you kind of want it to do, uh, naively. Uh, other times it will create a copy of an enemy. Sometimes it will push things back. Typically, like it'll create it's a copy just... of anything. So, uh, okay. So like, le- like or you can make it so you can copy treasures. You can copy treasures. You can copy keys. You, like, oh, that's neat. so yeah, it, it like in its, in its base form, you are a guy with five hit points. You move when you move, the opponents move. The opponents have from one to four hit points and like you swipe into them to do damage and then anything that's adjacent to you hits you for one damage. Yeah. And the, and there are some walls. There are some lock, there are some walls that are locked doors. Every level starts with a treasure that is, that is locked up and a key on one square. Um, that rapidly and an changes. Entrance and an exit. Yeah, there's an entrance which really only matters in the sense that that is a place that the exit cannot be moved to because sometimes a wand, if it hits a wall, will move the exit to wherever it hit. And it's also a place that eventually other enemies will spawn. Yeah, other enemies spawn out of the entrance over time. Um, that typically happens. That might only happen if there are no enemies on the board. Oh. 
Interesting. Okay. I've never had it happen until after I'd, I've killed everything on the on the level. Um, but yeah, you basically only get points. You don't get points for killing enemies. You only get points for picking up treasure. Uh, although there are some treasures. high, there are some high end enemies that drop treasure when you kill them. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, the the cock, the four hit point rooster thing that only will show up in the fourth and fifth room. Oh, there are only five uh, rooms. Yeah. Wow. A game is a game, game is five. five I've never by gotten five to the rooms. fifth room. Yeah. So. Uh, and the way that you earn points in this game, it, like you get you collect the treasures and then exit, and you just carry your score on to the next game. And there's uh, like, like, there's like, like a little eight. bit of something else besides score that you carry. Yeah. So the treasures are a treasure chest, which is just five points, a potion, which is like one point, and you recover a hit point. Okay. Uh, a key is worth one point. A book, which is one point or two points, and then also identifies one function of one of your wands. Okay. When you when you hit that book. Um uh and a gem which if you get five gems, you can choose an artifact which is just like a sort of a powerful activatable ability. Uh that that sockets in at the bottom of the at the screen okay. that you can use once but it follows you. Like gems follow you through games. There are certain wands that will there is a power that a wand can have where if it hits an enemy that has more than one hit point, it will consume a gem and just insta-kill that enemy. Huh. Um, and you don't know that until it pops up. You basically, like, you have so little time. Yeah. Right? You can use each of the wands five times, and it's like, sometimes you know everything that it's going to do, and sometimes you, like... But and then when you start the second game, the wands are yeah, the wands are completely randomized. Like, wow. like he he talked in his development blog about like enjoying doing these roguelikes that that focused on one very specific aspect of the sort of roguelike genre. So like and in this case, it was unidentified magic Crazy. items. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Gosh, it's the fact that are, they each have five different things that they do yeah. is so. Interesting. I eventually looked at, so it was, it was fascinating to me in the beginning in the same way that like Nico Atsume was fascinating because it was like, man, I don't speak this language. So I have no fucking idea what's going on. Although like you can keep playing this game and you can start learning what the words mean in Portuguese. Like it's close enough to Spanish, right? which is then close enough to English. Like it, like in, there was no way I was ever going to make any sense of any of the text in Nico Atsume, right? Like you sure. just, you just can't learn a language with a completely different alphabet just by like seeing stuff. But this was like, okay, I kind of get what these, I get what these words mean. He's just like taking a Portuguese class and he wanted to do something that gave him some practice in Portuguese, but it also just lends this crazy air of mystery to this thing. And like, which is if you want totally accessible. Yeah. You can just, you can just type it into it. Right. Like it would be interesting to do a thing like that, but with a, a conlang and with the, with the sub goal of actually interpreting and figuring out this language as you go. Hmm. If, it, if it was like set a thing, a, a game like this, that is its own game, but that the text is organized in such a way that you could conceivably figure out this made up language. That would yeah. be interesting. I eventually just went, I found there was a blog post that Michael bro himself I found this out because he tweeted it. That was just, here's what all the wand power icons do. Like they have these icons that demonstrate, you know, that, that, that indicate the powers that they have. And then you can touch it to pop up a description of it in Portuguese. And so sometimes you just learn that, but they're, they're not, there are, there are like 50 different things that they can do. And so only over half the, of them are in a half of those effects are in, a, in play. Yeah. But not, not exactly half. Cause there's a lot of repeats. Oh, there are. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, 
I, I don't know how random it is. There are some that really shouldn't be together. And so I'm sure that there was some balance done. Like there is, there is a, there is like one that's like, ah, oh, this makes a treasure in, an, in the space that it ends in, that the beam ends in. And also if the beam hits the top wall, it recharges one of the ones. So you can use it again. And that recharge, depending on the square of the top wall that you hit, picks a specific wand to recharge so like that would just let you infinitely generate treasure oh wow if you you could repeatedly do it and so it's like he probably just won't let those two things happen on one wand Um, so it can recharge itself yeah neat yeah if you're standing if you're standing in the column that corresponds to which wand it is and you shoot the top wall with the top wall recharges a wand you can just shoot it over and over and over again Um, eventually enemies will spawn and let you know some of the wands have an ability that's like this doesn't end your turn to use it. Oh, um, and all of the icons are very carefully, they make a ton of sense once you see what they actually do. And like, it's hard to figure out some of them from just like what they do when you're using them in the game. Yeah. But like somebody figured them out and wrote this thing. And also just like, you can just read what they do in Portuguese, but like that doesn't necessarily really explain it. Okay. You know? So there's one that it's like, if the wand hits, the wand will insta-kill every other enemy that it hits. Like alternating? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it won't kill the first one, but it will kill the second one. So if you shoot it and it only hits one thing, like, you just have no idea. Like, you know, mm. there's... And it doesn't... That power doesn't get listed along its... Yeah, nothing gets revealed happens. until it's triggered. Okay. Yeah. This yes. game is so good. I am huh. way, way more into this game than I was into Imbroglio, and I was way into Imbroglio. Huh. Um, the art... Oh, God, it's so like he's just hand drawing this. I, I don't think he's hand drawing it. It's too clean to be like pen drawn. I think I think it's I think it's being drawn digitally. Oh, um, okay. but it's just like it's just like a very, very clean version of stuff that you would draw on your notebook in junior high in the 80s. You know, it's like it's, ah, it's very good. Cinco Paus. Which is just the name of a tarot card, a Portuguese, like he just had it. Well, it's the five of wands. Yeah. The five of wands in the Portuguese translation of the tarot deck. Oh, yeah. Is this a, this iOS? Yeah. Is it on any other platforms? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't, did he ever port Imbroglio to any other platforms? I don't think he's ever ported. Well, he's, some of his games are coming out for PC. I don't think he's ever ported anything to Android. Yeah. I mean, like. I've seen him complain a lot about having to deal with like games that never made any money and are never going to make any money again, but he still has to do a bunch of work on them every time there's an iOS update yeah. and shit like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just like determined that it wasn't worth it to port things to Android. Yeah. Which sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense that like if maybe these games have, have some level of income, but not enough to justify a port. Yeah. There's, there, he must have developed this on a PC, right? Like, That's and balance games. testing and stuff, <laughs> right? But I mean, I mean, for iOS stuff, you develop it on a Mac. Oh, I see. Right. It could be Mac based. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, what, what else have you been playing? Very, very good. I, uh, let's see. Cinco Pass. I also, uh, Everybody in their like podcast game of the year discussions was real excited about this game called The Mummy Demastered, which is a it's like a pixel art Metroidvania. So, you know, those come out and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. This one was a licensed game. Like we got an email from 
universal that was like, hey, we heard you guys made a cool video game. Do you want to make a video game for us? And we asked the Campo guys, what is this all about? And he was like, they want you to make a universal monsters game. Just ignore it. <laughs> like, so that's apparently a thing that, that universal has done recently. And in this case, this game was licensed the, the, the horrible Tom Cruise mummy franchise that basically destroyed the plans of a universal monsters yeah. cinematic sure universe. There was no more of that going to happen. They made a licensed, which I guess this makes sense because this is the kind of game that you could make in the time frame of a movie coming out just a pixel art metroidvania game uh where you're like a special forces cyber marine guy <laughs> fighting the mummy i guess i like it got it was getting hyped up like hey it's a licensed game that's actually good when's the last time that happened and stranger things yeah uh the, i think stranger things came out afterwards it came out after the after oh, after the, the mummy. After oh. the mummy demastered. Okay. Mm, sorry, I could be wrong. The, uh, they no. had to have been in development at the same time, though, because like, yeah. both of those both of those things look like they took like a year to make. Yeah, probably. Uh, the, uh, Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay was pretty good. Okay. Uh, I think for the original Xbox. Um, what are some other What are some other licensed hmm. games? The movie licensed good? specifically? Uh, the classy uh, Goonies. Job trainer. <laughs> The yeah, Goonies King. arcade game. Yeah. Uh, okay. People yeah. people really like the uh, the Batman um, the NES Batman game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the NES Batman game was pretty good too. Yeah, it had so good I've music heard. and good graphics. Yeah. Good uh, so jump. I watched Dark Knight over the holiday. Which one is that? It's the second of the Christopher Nolan. Oh, the, the people the one people like best. It's the the one with the Heath Ledger Joker. Heath thing. Ledger Joker. Yeah, yeah, I uh, like that one. So part of that game was him developing a uh, part of the movie. Sorry, part of that movie was him developing a technology that allowed him to like use every like all of the ambient uh, cell phone signals as a sonar. And I was looking at that and I was like. Is that just the fucking detective mode from Oh Batman Arkham oh. Asylum? <laughs> Because it looks like that, because you just sort of see this like like sort of wireframe of the environment and yeah, all the I people never made in that it. connection. And I'm like, oh my god, which like where did this come from? Was this like specifically a video game tie-in? Uh, so sorry, I didn't mean to derail that. Oh no, it's okay. I I derailed it by asking you guys if there were any good licensed <laughs> games. Um, I don't really like this mummy game though. Like the jumping doesn't feel very good and i found myself mostly wanting to explore the parts of the map that were down low because i just didn't want to deal with the platforming <laughs> because the jumping is kind of floaty is it so it's like side scroller yeah it's like yeah it's like straight up like a like it's like a like a game boy advance castlevania oh. game um crazy except you have guns so i mean i guess it's probably more instead of whips it's, it's like closer to shadow game. like more shadow like complex or yeah the aliens game for the 3ds yeah um but that was I remember that being better than this. Yeah, this just is like, good. this just has a lot of like floating platform, like Metroid style floating platforms and a lot of enemies and a lot of knockback and, mm. and a lot of like platforms that disintegrate when you stand on them and respawn <laughs> later. Know, and it was like, gross. man, just going that's not up is, that's not Me Metroidvania shit. Going up is bad and I don't want to yeah. go up, but all the, you know, there's going to be good stuff up there. Are you um, always in a pyramid? No. Okay. Uh, you're just in a cave full of crystal. Like you, you started out in like uh, 
Crystal Cavern? Yeah, no, I don't know. You're in a fucking Castlevania. You're you're just in like a Castlevania levels. It's not like okay. it isn't a castle, but like the all of the teleport points are helicopters that are like drop points that you can helicopter from one to another. But I don't know how that I guess they're all on the top of the map, which that sucks. Yeah. Unless I, there's like an I underground like helicopter. Way hangar. forward gets a lot of like retro licensed games, pl- retro platformers. Uh, they do a lot of that stuff, but I don't actually think they're very good at it. What else like, have they done? They do the uh, Shant- the Shantae games. Those are pretty Shantae, good. Shantae, they made Contra 4. The, I, the one Shantae game that I ever played, I liked. I remember it felt pretty good and, and it seemed like it was like well designed as a, as a Metroidvania. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I played a couple that, of the- Maybe it's just that that's where they put like, yeah, that's, that's where they try like, real hard, and the licensed ones are not. Are yeah, Shantae is is their own thing. Yeah, um, and they, I, I think they mostly do licensed stuff, um, just for the money, and um, so it makes sense they work harder on the Shantae stuff. But like, I didn't like the Shantae games I played either. I didn't think they felt good. Huh. They made a um a puzzle platformer that I did like a lot that I can't remember the name of now. Damn it! Um, uh, but Did that they one, make Henry Hatsworth. No, that was EA. That was actually the Madden team. Weird. Yeah. What is that? What's that game that we can never remember the name of? Where you had you were like a teen girl. It was a Metroidvania where you were a teen girl, and there were different guns, and all of the doors were weird. Like things that you had to shoot through at oh, specific heights or angles. Oh, and you had that animal, and-, and we didn't like it. it yeah, it's not EG. No, you had, you were also like leveling up a kind of a Pokemon thing yeah. that you were evolving through different phases. I, I thought it was good. I like, really? we did it as an assignment. I seem yeah, to remember I mean, I, that none of us liked it. I, I mean, I think we all beat it, didn't we? No. I'm not remembering no. this at all. Are you thinking of Goragoa? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goragoa, where you were a teen girl and you had right. like a Pokemon thing that you evolved through a bunch of different, anyway. Um, uh, that was probably also not these guys, <laughs> but. <laughs> That seems like, it. It reminded me of Henry Hatsworth. Henry Hatsworth was the one where you were also playing like a puzzle game in the, on the other screen of the 3DS, right? right? You had yeah. to swap back and forth, right? Yeah. Uh, and I bought a game uh, today in the Steam sale for like seventy-five cents called Quell, which is just a. It is. It. It looks. It looks like. Uh, Spider, the secret of Spider, Spider Manor, Bryce Manor. Bryce Manor. It, it looks like that. And since it's like hand painted environments that are like a house, but the gameplay is just a series of, <sighs> there's gotta be a name for the kind of puzzle where you, you, you provide an impulse to your piece and it goes until it stops and um, then it's on a grid and, and yeah, ice puzzle. Zelda it's, ice puzzle. it's, that basically, um, you have like there are some collectibles in a in a grid, and you have to figure out. It wraps around the edges, wrap around. So if you go off the bottom, you come in the top. Okay. So that's a way of introducing some stuff. And there are things that you can hit from certain angles and not. And it seems to be like you know regularly introducing. It's it's pretty nice. It was uh, it was on this list that Jake sent yeah. us in the Slack today. That was like uh like hidden gems on steam it was like something that was something that looked at sales data compared to it just it just takes the highest user ratings yeah it takes the highest ranked games regardless of sales data okay 
uh, and then as <clears throat> at some point, and I don't know what this, when this is, there's a, uh, at some point, if you have a lot of sales, it starts, uh, moving you down the list into the point where you actually fall off the bottom. I see. Um, but I mean, West of Loathing is on it. So like things have to have done pretty well to get kicked off of the bottom of that. Like well, yeah, well, West yeah. of Loathing is not a hidden gem by any. We were only five but... places lower on the top 250 than we were on the hidden gems list. Huh. But I think, I mean, I think they're trying to keep off the the games that sell millions of copies. Sure. But there aren't that many of those. Like, I don't know. Sure. So I mean, like, five. The, thing that made me, the thing that made me excited about this was, like, Limelight, which is a game that I keep evangelizing. And I looked it up and it was, like, 10,000 users or something on yeah. Steam Spy, which is, like, a crime because it is so good. Hmm. I bought it, it was, today based on your It was number five on the – yeah, it was on sale for, like, $5. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's man, it's so nice. like I still haven't beaten it. Like I've I've put a few hours into it and gotten like pretty close to the end, but it's it's it gets tricky. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before too, but like it is just a just a beautiful game. Um, it being on there was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool that this this list of hidden. Gem- I should find this list and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Quell I found on there it was like just a really well-reviewed game that hadn't sold very well and it was like it was a few years old and it was just like literally i think 75 cents on sale so i just all right i'll try that um i didn't buy all that much in the steam sale yeah i did i did because it was 40 dollars. i bought assassin's creed origins because i've been watching jane play it at the office and it just looks like exactly my kind of thing which i really hope i doesn't turn out to not be my kind of thing at all because <laughs> i've only ever seen her playing the the parts that aren't the actual like main quest line is all just side stuff, mm-hmm. which is great. And like, it's a bunch of cool things to do, but I'm wondering like, what is the actual, what is the, the like forward game. movement of is, the game? Is the, to be? Yeah. is the uh, tourist mode <clears throat> in yet? Have, I believe I don't that's know. supposed I don't know. to be patched in. Like, I mean, I, cause I don't think I want that. Like I want to yeah. actually be going around. I want it like far cry Egypt. Oh, and yeah. that's seems like kind of what this is. It seems like it. Like it seems very different than it seems from what I've heard. It's pretty different than the other. Yeah, Assassin's yeah. Creed what I've heard is that it's the Assassin's Creed, but good again, which will be nice when I'm no longer still sick of Assassin's Creed. Mm. I've never played one to. I, I played like an hour of Black Flag. Yeah. I'm hoping that I won't have a similar experience with this where there's going to be some enforced stealth mission 10 minutes into the tutorial that I just can't finish <laughs> because I'm too impatient. What uh, what have you been playing besides uh, not playing Assassin's Creed? Um, Good segue. So I got, uh, for Christmas, I got the Super Mario Brothers Game & Watch. Oh, huh. Oh, nice. This is it the one Which- where you're working in the bottle factory? No, no, this is actually like uh, an adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. Oh, okay. Uh, and the way they do that is by, um, there's like a, maybe a five by three grid of places you can be on the screen. And then they surround each of those squares with uh, line segments that can go be on or off. Okay. So they can render a scrolling maze that way. And every level is auto-scrolling. So a lot of it is um, mm. just... Uh, Keeping up with the level and not getting crushed off or, or, or pushed off the left edge. Um, and sometimes the line segments um, move, in which case they are either um, moving platforms or uh, bar, bar, fire bars, 
like in, in the dungeon levels. Um, and you have to determine which one is which by the way they're moving. Uh, and sometimes, uh, and I think this is thematically supposed to be an underwater level. Sometimes you can't jump and instead you push up and down to move up and down. And hmm. <laughs> so they, they actually get a really remarkable amount of variety out of like a, such a limited number of possible things that it can render. Um, and it's all just like on or off LCD segments that can't overlap. Yep. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a pu- sort of, sort of a puzzle at the end of one of the levels. I, I've only, I, I guess I've been to like level eight. I'm not sure how many there are. Um, but one of the levels ends with a, it, they use the line segments to render. I guess they're supposed to be pipes and there are three in a row and you have to, do, you have to figure out which one to go down. Um, and if you go down the wrong one, then it kicks you back a few screens and you have to play through the level again. And it's just like, that's actually really bad gameplay, but, Kind of cool that they managed to do it with such limited hardware. When did this thing come out? I don't know. This was a reissue. Um, this was like a reissue kind of in the form. Fa- it's tiny, but it's in the form factor of a Game Boy. And when, one of the things that's dumb about it, but, but, but the original Game & Watch stuff was in the like 80s. It was probably like 86, I'm mm. guessing, um, because it had to have been after Super Mario Brothers. Um, right. Uh, one of the things that's dumb about this thing is that, like, I don't know if the Game & Watch stuff was ever on your wrist, because all all the stuff that I remember actually uh, messing with when I was a kid was, like, uh, handheld games. Yeah, it was, yeah. like, the size like, of an NES controller, kind of, or yeah. a little yeah, smaller like the, than that, with, like, a fold, flap. Fold in half kind of book. Right. Kind of but they do show the time. You can't turn them off. They always show the time. Hmm. And so as a result, this thing's battery life is like it's going to die in four months. So like, okay, I'll probably play it two more times in that span of time. And then Does it also have a countdown timer until <laughs> the battery dies? <laughs> no. No, I had to look it up. Um, and I've been playing, uh, been playing a bunch more Hitman. Um, Any fun stories? Uh, so one thing I've learned about myself is that uh, if I'm in a room with three people – I can I can knock them all out with a wrench before any of them can shoot me or run for help. Okay. So like it, a lot of it has just been like mastery of this game. Like get earning mastery of this game feels very unlike a lot of different games, and it's in in a lot of it comes in the the form of realizations like that. Realizations like of your capabilities of your capabilities and of like ways to. Since since Hitman can ch- like change his clothes in three seconds, if you're being chased, a lot of the time what makes the most sense is you turn the corner so you're, the people who are chasing you can't see you, knock somebody out, change into their clothes, and then just <laughs> run off. And you can do that in if like, like they're eight seconds behind you, you have enough time to do that. And then do they get confounded by the? They're like oh, uh, they'll be like oh there's a body, um, but. Since you're, but they don't attribute it to you anymore because you're the bellhop. Right. Okay. That's <laughs> um and if they will like attribute it to you if you're too close. Like they'll get suspicious sure. of you if you stick around, but like Or if they're one of those like watcher characters or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um and you can't necessarily tell who's gonna see through your disguise until, until you're, you're in, in the disguise. disguise which is yes. that's an interesting yeah, added yeah. layer, I guess. And also things like a lot of the time, um, Unless you're going for the silent assassin rating, which, like, I've done that once now on each of the levels, and that's fun, but I'm probably not going to do it again. 
Um, uh, that's where you basically ghost it, where nobody, where no, nobody, nobody, nobody identifies you. Um, God, what there are like five rules. Nobody identifies you. Uh, you only kill your targets. N- n- nobody can find the body. Mm. Any any of the bodies. Does the body have, um, to, does it have to be an accidental death? Uh, either well, if it's an accidental death, they can find the body. Okay. So like if you if if you're like if you have a sniper rifle, you can shoot the propane tank next to somebody, and that counts as an accidental death. That's not that doesn't violate Silent Assassin. But if you shoot them and somebody finds the body, then that does. I see. Anyway, th- I don't even know what never spotted really means. Like I don't know what triggers spotted, so I I, I feel like I'm not qualified. Because right, you can walk into the middle of a party crowd and that doesn't count as being spotted right yeah that's that is a little strange yeah yeah i don't know if like you you know you misstep behind the counter at the bar and you're trespassing and they say hey get out of here and then like if you get out of here immediately and they say yeah you better run or whatever um (laughs) i I love the incidental dialogue in this game it's so stupid um because it's like they're trying to communicate a bunch of game state in ways that everyone involved in this knows is not a natural thing that any human would ever say. They right. just kind of lean into it. Yeah, it's great. Hey, what's up, Mr. Airplane Mechanic Man? <laughs> Hanging out fixing some airplanes? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, like I, I, and, and they, I've never heard it repeat. Like, I've never heard someone say the same thing twice. Like, once I was... They just delete, they just delete was, the audio file from the hard drive after it's I was once. I was hitting somebody in the... Like, I was, like, doing a, an attack on somebody with a wrench, and he said, not the head. <laughs> Which... That's what I would say. So stupid. Um, but fantastic. Yeah, so I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about what Silent Assassin actually is. Um, but... Oh, the my thought there was, um, if you are... Um, if you just knocked somebody out and changed into their clothes, like you don't want to be seen moving the body. That's way worse than like, oh. so like, don't even try to hide the body. Just run off. Okay. And no one will, will attribute it to you unless the guy saw you, in which case he will describe you to people. And then it's sort of a knowledge spreads virally in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a, a listener, I think it was Corey Birdsong, told me about when I was talking about the challenge. Um, like uh, I was talking about hypothetical uh, all challenges speed runs last, not last week, but last episode. Um, and Corey Birdsong directed me to someone who'd been doing um, not all challenge speed runs, but uh, mastery level twenty speed runs, which is like hitting a certain experience level because challenges are each worth a certain number of experience points, and so that's probably like half the speed run half the challenges in a level uh gives you a uh, 20 uh mastery and um they were fascinating to watch like just the like a a combination of just like so this is clearly someone who's been playing hitman for the entire series they've got um physical mastery and also just like very deep understanding of um the individual levels everything in them it was a lot of fun to watch but one of the things that's dumb about it is that because everything is server based, uh, all the challenges are stored on the server and there's no way to reset them. So the way this guy was having to make attempts, um, make a new steam, make, account each make time. it exactly make a new steam account each time and gift the game to that yeah. account or like add them to their family plan or whatever. <sighs> um, and steam wouldn't let them do that with my more than five accounts so like if they don't get the run in five five tries buy it again <laughs> exactly yeah wow um yeah 
That's, yeah, I'm, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's it's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb, but yeah, I've been I've been really uh, really digging into this game. Something the, thinking about the like level design in a Hitman game versus like Prey or maybe a Deus Ex or whatever is like even in that first hour of Prey, I was finding all kinds of like nooks and crannies. Whereas in the the sort of couple of hours of Hitman that I played, the level seemed a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. You're not like crawling through a a bunch of duct work and there's it seemed a lot more like real spaces yeah but there was a lot to find like i i am i got i'm god i'm probably like 60 hours into hitman um and i'm still finding new things in the levels like new ways that levels connect to each other you can actually do some limited not platforming but like you can climb up a pipe sure Things like that. Yeah, there's, I feel like it's just like a like an order of magnitude of complexity in my head, at least. Yeah. So like in in the prey level, I'm by jumping up on top of things, I'm sort of uh, shortcutting the particular way that they expect me to get places, and then I'm on top of a bunch of stuff that yeah. like there's nothing actually there. Like they didn't. It's not being rewarded, yeah. but it's in, part of the physics engine. Where I feel like that wasn't something that I was. At yeah, least, in in yeah. in prey, like the movement is systemic, at least yeah. to a little bit, at least a little bit. Um, is, there's a jump button in prey, isn't there? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Like and, a mantling, and you can mantling, and jump. you eventually get like a not a. It, it's a it's a jetpack. It's not an, like an amazing like go everywhere jetpack, but it's it assists you in movement or moving oh. around. Um, in Hitman, all the systems happen in like the interaction with the characters in like very discreet ways that aren't that feel less fluid in some way. Well, it so Hitman, Hitman is actually I was I was thinking about this in terms of West of Loathing, where Hitman is um, like an adventure game mashed mm. up with a systems-driven shooter. Okay, yeah. So like. A lot of the, the the set pieces in the game are um, like all the opportunities are adventure game style stuff where you do this, then this and this and like you need a certain item here to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike a traditional adventure game and, and, and but like West of Loathing, um, you can get that wrench in a dozen different places right. instead of just the one. Um and so the fluidity in Hitman happens um, in the shooting and in the stealth. Right. That's where that stuff exists. Okay. Um, and as you were saying, like, as compared to Prey, like, the movement is entirely um, authored. Like, all, all the places you can go are – there. I've I've encountered one bug where I went to a place I wasn't supposed to be and I just got stuck there. Mm. But, like, like, you're not – the movement is not very systemic at all. It's all either like moving around, running, staying on the ground, or um, push specific a button. Pathways. Push a button to push like, a button to climb a specific thing. Exactly. Like, you're yeah. not going to move a box. Jump on the box to wherever you want to move it, and then jump up on the box and be able to like. You yeah. just can't. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Whereas prey, like you can telekinesis shit around. Yep. Like it's like Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's max. that's part of the fun of that kind of game yeah. yep. for sure. And that the goo gun that oh, you right. get that lets oh you just God, like make so... build ladders up, well, like yeah, that's nuts to build really inconvenient staircases that are really easy to fall off of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds like my kind of game. Yep. And I went back and uh, played. Um, I had bought Hitman Blood Money ten years ago, and 
I probably like I gave up on it probably half an hour in and I tried it again. Um, having now spent a having, time playing. Ha- yeah. Having thinking like maybe I'll be able to appreciate it more now. Um, and the first game that first thing that game does is like, there is a guy with a Danish accent explaining the HUD to you. It's really like the, the onboarding is really rough. Okay. Like I played two or three levels of it and, um, it, it's, it's really hard to, like, I, I was talking to a friend about, about like what I was missing from the new game. And as he explained it, like all that stuff is there. It's just not telegraphed. It's not like explained or it's not, um, there in as clear a way. So like the things like the opportunities are just like highlighted on the map as exclamation points of points of interest. Okay. Um, before you've gotten there or once you've seen it, apparently it's just there from the start okay um and i had thought that like when i was i was running around like trying to figure out who i was supposed to assassinate and like um because it doesn't have the detective mode um what do they call it instinct mode where your target gets you it's highlighted, highlighted. Yeah. um but Apparently they do show up on the map, but I thought that I was supposed to just like look at my objectives, look at the photo there and actually like find that person in the crowd. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is a game that probably should exist, but is not a game that I'm particularly interested in. And the other weird thing is that this game, like, um, all the levels felt kind of linear, like the tutorial is definitely completely linear, but then like... Uh, level two, um, it felt like you, you start in one place and I killed a couple of dudes in there and then tried to go back to where I entered the level thinking that was the exit, but the exit was past them. The exit was like, okay, keep going through this linear level. Um, very strange in light of what seems to me like, and obviously like this is just like, oh, they finally hit on a hitman, uh, idea that is, uh, super successful and accessible. Um, so it's not weird at all that they would have had misstep, missteps along the way, but blood money, like I remember people talking about it in like reverential tones, mm. like at the time. Um, and the things they were talking about are the things that I am enjoying about the new game. So like, I totally believe that they're in there. If you, if you like, um, stick with it long enough and you get to learn the, the controls and the systems, but I don't know if it's worth it to me. One thing it does do that is actually really neat. Um, is that instead of saying like body found up on uh, in text on the top of the screen, it'll actually show you a little picture in picture or split screen of like oh, someone finding the body. That. That's neat. Yeah. Does it even bother justifying that? It's it's in a, like fiction. A, it's your it's your hitman instincts. It looks like a movie. It looks like a like a heist movie mm. kind of a split screen thing, but not in the fiction. No. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff, um, like if you actually had to play it naturalistic, not having all of these like extra detective mode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be so much harder and probably less satisfying. It would be harder. And also it would, I would say it would actually like, it would be harder than it would be in real life because, um, you get a lot of, uh, cues like about your environment from things that you can't really convey on a, you know, like a a monitor that is just a tiny field of, of view of what you can actually see and like stereo sound, stereo sound. Right. Um, I feel like, um, all that information that it gives you like in, 
explicitly through text or through your through like visual cues is probably a pretty good maybe like a, a pro, probably pretty good approximation of what it would be like to be really good at this so you, you think you could totally just kill a guy now you'd be oh yeah yeah like i was like i, I if i had a wrench I could totally knock could out kill all three th people before I could. the head, not the head. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, the, I, you tweeted a couple days ago again. I mean, this is a reiteration of a thing that you've said on the podcast yeah. that it, it, and I, I definitely feel this like it would be so nice if there was this game, but not about murdering people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like, would, I would love that. What, like, just spitballing, like, what would be a fun narrative conceit that would satisfy the same kinds of constraints that the, you're excited about? The examples that I gave Heists. in the tweet were, yeah, a heist would be good. Uh, the examples that I gave in the tweet were like sneaking Christmas presents past your children. Okay. <laughs> um, and stealing from your parents' liquor cabinet. What if there was a big open world where you were trying to have sex with people? And do sick BMX tricks. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. With you so far. Um, uh, you, maybe you're tagging. Maybe you're trying to sneak past the security uh, guards. Yeah. I mean, tag like, up the Mona Lisa. You're, like, you're just checking boxes on a mini map, right? Like, you're just doing things that are just aren't so, killing a person. Like, one thing that, like, someone brought up. I forget who it was, was, okay, well, so why are you knocking people out with the wrench then? Um, and like the, the, you can't totally just like replace the murder in this game with other things and leave everything else the same because you're still knocking people out and stealing their clothes. And maybe if you play that up for laughs, you can get away with that. Well, what if you're uh... right, like if you just if you just like trick people into giving you their clothes, yeah. and then instead of lying unconscious, they're just sitting there, Chris, and go, oh, oh no, oh, oh, yeah. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, but it has to be like something that is rep you can justifiably repeat, like not just the you trick old, one person, um... but like do that a dozen times in a single level. Swery, no, who did the the Deadly Premonition game, his previous game, Spy Fiction. Had a mechanic mm. where you you would take photographs of people, and your camera was connected to your weird sneaking suit, so you could manufacture, you could like holographically change your clothes into the clothes of pe people you'd taken photographs of. That's really good. And if you if oh. if you managed to get a photograph of their face, you got a mask as well, so you could fully yeah, impersonate if them. Okay, yeah. so you do this game, but you do this game in a near future environment where everyone is wearing AR glasses all the time. And so you ah. are able to hack everybody else's AR glasses to, except the guards who don't have the glasses on. So they're the people who can see what's going on in the real world. So they're the, the like threat to all of your, yeah, there you go. all of your That's identity great. changing things. Yeah. Or you're just a, you're just a hacker infiltrating a, a, virtual reality cyberspace and you're just dealing with programs so it's not really people that you're having to like disable or impersonate or whatever well that's already what it is so <laughs> sure <laughs> that's why i don't feel bad about it fair enough just do it twice knocking somebody out feels different than killing somebody that's though, very true right i mean yeah. that's like dishonored feels better when you don't kill people mm-hmm 
to me. I mean, it doesn't yeah. like it, it. The gameplay doesn't necessarily support that right. as well as it. The nine thousand upgrades for different ways of slicing people into a thousand pieces at a distance. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, I have to. I gotta choke some dudes out if I want to deliver these kids Christmas presents. Like <laughs> that's that's better than I'm gonna choke these dudes out so that I can go kill their boss. Right. Right. I yep. mean, it's they're. Yeah. It's got to be really bad for you to just get like choked into unconsciousness, right? Like or hit in the head with a wrench. Yeah, well, that's certainly like. I I don't think that consciousness and unconsciousness are nearly as clean of a state transition in real world as they yeah, are in video yeah, games. Yeah, definitely true. <laughs> you know, you just have to keep giving giving people injections of fentanyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a a thing that I have thought about. About in this game, like if you knock somebody out, they're just out forever, basically. Right, as long as you stand there, <laughs> hmm. unconscious you, you, forever, huh? That's yeah. a, huh. <laughs> and you, but like you can put them in a refrigerator, and that doesn't count as killing them, even though like it just slows their. <laughs> no, it keeps them. Yeah, keeps them. Keeps them fresh. Right. From they, they can be thought out when, <laughs> when later, when technology discovers a cure for being choked. <laughs> uh, a yep. cure for wrench head. <laughs> what have you been playing, Riff? Uh, bits and pieces. Uh, over over Christmas, I finished uh, Pokemon Ultra Moon. Uh, uh, and I won't I won't go into it in great detail, but the this yeah the the summary for people who have not played either Moon or Sun or Ultra Moon or Ultra Sun yet who would like to know about the differences, uh, Sun and Moon has a much better plot. Like it, the the plot of the Ultra games is basically the same plot, but they changed some things around and kind of changed who the actual villain is. And it's and it falls really flat at the end, and I didn't like it much at all. Whereas Sun and Moon plot was probably the best Pokemon plot they've done. Um, but contrary-wise, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon has a lot more little mini-games and features and has more guys to capture. So if, if, if someone still at this point is planning to play one and has not done it yet, I would, if you're planning to just play straight through the plot and that's all you're interested in, get sun and sun or moon. But if you want a lot of like features and you plan to capture all the guys, then maybe, and you don't care about the plot so much, then get ultra moon. Did they add a new Pokemon and ultra moon? And there are, yeah, there are a couple, uh, Brett, there are like three or four brand new ones in the, in the ultra set. What are they? Uh, there's like a thing made out of the, okay, the version I played anyway, there's like a thing made out of bricks, uh, that the name I can't think of, and there's a thing like a little poison purple imp, and then that thing evolves into a thing like a kind of a grotesque purple wasp. Hmm. And there's something else, I forget what the fourth one was. The the brick guy seems cool. Yeah, he's he's cool looking. the 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 one on the in the version, the the thing you catch instead of him if you're playing Ultra Sun, is like this weird thing that looks like a clown made out of spheres, and it's it's creepy, and I don't like it. 
Hmm. Um, let's see, who else did I play? Oh, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Neko Atsumi a little while ago. The, the new game by those people is out on iOS. Uh, let, me, let me look at what it is called. It's, it's frog called Travels. Jour- Journey Frog? Yeah, yeah, Frog Traveler or something. Uh, Tab- Tabikeru? T-A-B-I-K-A-E-R-U? It's kind Frog of Fractions three confirmed. Yeah, it's cute. I don't understand a lot of what's going on in it, but it seems like basically you you had there's this little frog guy that you're spying on, and you kid him out for journeys, and he goes off on those journeys and is gone from your phone for a while, and then when he gets back, you get to see the pictures he took. Huh. It's cute. That sounds good. Yeah. That's uh. Mm, pretty much it. I mean, I played a bunch more Kingdom Death, but the if I telling you the stories of what happened in that game would be like me describing my dreams and I don't think anyone would find it very <laughs> interesting. Uh I I did a kind of I had a kind of a weird thing happen to me last night where I was sitting thinking, you know, I should I should start playing some big real video game again. I've got some time that you know, I should play something for real. What am I? What am I going to play next? And I looked at the shelf, and I've got like Near Automata, which everybody loves, which I haven't started playing yet. And I've got Persona Five, which everybody loves, and I haven't started playing yet. And I've got Horizon Zero Dawn, and instead of any of those, I hooked up a PlayStation One emulator and started playing uh, Kingsfield Three. So I'm not sure what's wrong with me, but that that looks like it's going to be a fun game. How, how is it so far? I, I just got real early in, um, but uh, it, it looks it looks basically like uh, Kingsfield Four, except uh, uh, the graphics are a little bit worse because it's a PlayStation One game instead of a PlayStation Two game. And these are like Dark Souls predecessors. Yeah, they're like uh, they're like. Imagine a first-person Dark Souls, except slower, because, like, where in Dark Souls, the the main focus is on combat, and the second focus is on exploration. In Kingsfield, it's the other way around, where it's exploration first and combat second. So it, it's a lot of, like, slow traversal and looking around for traps very carefully, and, and there are monsters spotted around but it's not like big reflex fights it's like the slow sort of circling around them and carefully waiting for the right moment to do your strike because you have to wait five seconds for your strike to reload before you can try it again and things like that and learning learning how the maps work and things but uh, yeah it's it's just a really good uh cautious exploration sim basically so I I, uh, I I did not play a ton of it because it, it took me a little while to get the PlayStation One emulator working, but I I plan to play more of that, and I imagine I will enjoy it because Kingsfield Four turned out to be one of my favorite games of all time. Hmm. I also I forgot that I played a ton of the Ghostbusters pinball machine oh, while yeah. we were back in Arizona. Did, that's right. Did you uh, did you, you tweeted something about having figured out more of the. Yeah, I found, so I figured out how to get the game. I figured out what the precise game state is that, that reveals the, what I think is the coded message. And Stern published 
a thing to their Facebook page that was like a guide to how the game works and how the different modes of the game works. And in this part, which is the, the, the point at which it shows you these things is when you hit the, the, it's a scoop that has among the things that can be lit when you go into the scoop, Tobin's spirit guide. And different things that you do, like, well, a Tobin Spirit Guide is lit. And if Tobin Spirit Guide is lit and you hit this scoop, it freezes the ball for a little while while on the screen it shows a book and then a letter and a number. And it's different every time, but every time you see the same number, you see the same letter. And that's just why I think it's just like a straight up, like, this is the index into a sentence and this is the letter that, that goes there. But it's like seven, at least 70 some letters long. Huh. And in this guide, there is like nothing in fiction. It's all just, here's what happens with this ball. Here's what happens with this ramp. Here's when you need to hit this orbit or whatever. But on the Tobin Spirit Guides section, it says, first, it will show you some strange images. And then one of the following four things will happen that like is about the game state. So it's like, they're clearly hinting that something is going on there. Huh. But I just cannot find anyone else who's looking at this. And it's like not trivial to get the game into that state. It might get easier if I got better at the game, but this really feels like the kind of thing that's meant for people to be collaborating on right. and no one else or like everybody playing it is supposed to be writing down the letters. Yeah, just writing these down whenever they whenever they activate Tobin have, Spirit. Have you guide. been writing them down? Yeah. But I've only gotten like six or seven of the letters out of right. out of seventy in all in all the time I've spent doing it. So right. out of at least seventy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Surely, so yeah. I don't, have you like looked for like a forum or something that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I should talk to Wes and see what the like pinball forums yeah. are, and see if I can just get a thread going where where you know we do this stuff because it's like I'm not gonna find. I don't think that I'm gonna be able to do this on my own, and it's like killing you. It's not really. It's <laughs> just like I wish I knew. Sure. Like I wish I knew that I wasn't crazy. <laughs> Who you going to call? Oh uh, yeah, well, if it's just that, just be sure to be sure be to, sure to call your oh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't you also play some Switch game that? Did you already talk about it? Yeah, that was the Mummy Demastered. I oh, that was on the Switch. Yeah, I played that on the Switch. Yeah. Um, we also played some board games. We played uh, yeah. Time Barons, which was pretty fun. Uh, that is a Derek Yu and somebody else designed it. Yeah, it's a very good card game. Uh, it's like it's a like a sort of a, civil, it's a, a light civilization building thing. Yeah, it's very very heavily player versus player. Um, I Tom Francis introduced this game to me. Like he somebody had taken a copy of it to Stugan, oh, and nice. so they played a ton of it at Stugan, and then we played it like on the train to, uh, on the way from London to his place, oh, and. He they it was difficult to buy at that point you you basically had to order it from the game crafter which is just like a game pieces manufacturer and it's like here's a list of things that they'll build and then send to you but apparently it's been published for real it now finally, yeah it finally got issued out and, and in a in a four player version like the original one was just 1v1 and this one has teams, this one has team yeah. rules or there's a there's a free for all oh, right. four player play. variant that has some weird extra mechanic that balances right. that we also played a bunch of uh, I Got You and Melissa uh, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Yeah, Betrayal for Christmas. but D&D themed. Yeah, it's, it's like Betrayal at House on the Hill, exactly those mechanics, but it's in the sort of D&D world. Yeah. Welcome to the D&D world, yep. it says when you insert a quarter. Yep. <laughs> uh, There's some realms in there, Jim. Wow. Oh, man, yeah. did you hear that they're doing a Betrayal Legacy? 
No. No. Okay. Wow. That's that is super interesting. (laughs) Yep. I don't have wow. any other information about it other than that it's being worked on. But yeah, man, that's geez. exciting. I, so I was a little worried that it this one would be boring because, like, I don't know. I don't know why I think that Haunted House is a richer thematic vein to mine than the entirety of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I, I do, well, I do know because this is not the entirety of Dungeons and Dragons. This is being in town. And Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like, it's just a town and the catacombs underneath the town. So there's not like the ice castle and shit, right? Like, right. there's not any of the, any of the things that you could do with that setting. So, Stuff like, it's re- weird real fast. Yeah. Though. Like, the two, we played, we've played three games of it and the, both narratively and mechanically, the way that the haunts played out were really different and really interesting. You always win. So that's one, that is that's true. one common feature. <laughs> that is true. One common feature is that I always murder everyone and, yeah. and then win. Um, or, and the second one, I didn't murder everyone. That's right. You just cut off a lot of people's heads. So there was one There was one where I got some sort of lantern and I just had to kill everyone to, yeah. to, to appease the god of the lantern. And that just – I got lucky because I was a very strong character and everybody else was like all wizards who couldn't couldn't handle an axe to the throat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And after that one, I was like, "Ugh, man, I hope this game doesn't suck because that was kind of boring. Like that was kind of a boring haunt where it was like, all right, now you're still playing betrayal, but the combat rules are in play and you just have to kill these everybody. people. Yeah. But then the second one was cooperative. Yeah. Everybody grew an extra head. It was evil. <laughs> what? <laughs> And we had to yeah, know, and there's to rules chop off the, the yeah. evil heads. Like the evil head is trying to get you to heads. the executioner's block so it can chop off your good head. And <laughs> if it like you have to like make a sanity check against yourself every, every turn, turn yeah. to see whether you're you're Who's unwittingly dragged towards the executioner's block or whether you're in control of your turn. And if you're in control of your turn, you go to the kitchen, go to, the kitchen to cut off the bad head. <laughs> Uh, by making a check there and yeah. like oh, oh, one head can only be cut off by a cleaver. Yep. Yeah. And one, yeah. And one, and one can only be cut off by an axe. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it like, it was weird in our game because the executioner's block and the kitchen were like two rooms apart, <laughs> like super randomly. Super close. Um, so we, we won that pretty easily. Like it wasn't, it wasn't hard at all. Like the other players, like once you've gotten the bad head chopped off, you can start like sabotaging the executioner's block so that the evil heads can't, uh, can't do it. Like, uh, and then in the third game, it was, I just had like a goal to achieve and I had a bunch of monsters with which to keep the rest of the, I always end up being the traitor when there is one. Uh, I got a bunch of monsters to like keep the party occupied while I was like take carrying this thing upstairs to get struck by lightning and then carrying it back down to a shrine. And they were trying to flood the shrine before I could do that. Um, yeah. it was a very, that one was very close. Yeah, that one was super close. Like that was like one of the more balanced games of betrayal we'd ever had. Where it was like, well, I got here. If I hadn't gotten here on this turn, you guys would have won. Yep. Um. But that was again like the two relevant rooms were like weirdly close together. Yeah. Cuz a lot of the a lot of the traitor scenarios will say like all right, if the abandoned shrine hasn't been discovered, draw tiles until you draw it and put it as far away as possible from the center of the catacombs or whatever. Right. But it had been drawn and it was like Attached two rooms. It was like yeah. two rooms away from 
the place that they had to get the flooding from. So it was, yeah. um, yeah, the betrayal, like the, the end game, the haunts are almost always completely unbalanced and because there's no way to balance. Them. Yeah. Correct. Cause you have As no idea what the starting states are. And also they're all crazy. Mm-hmm. They're all these crazy one-off things. Yep. And the game is very much a rich get richer kind of situation where you often roll a stat. Yeah, there's like stat checks that if you succeed, it you increases more of the stats. Stat. And yeah. if you fail, it reduces the stats. Yeah. And so that's. So things get polarized very quickly. And then you start the haunt and you're either already in good shape or already in bad shape in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. The variety, the the variety of game state that could that could possibly go into each the beginning of each haunt is just crazy yeah and it's like i recognize that it is not a balanced game but it is i think we were talking about this this probably the board game that we have played the most times Mm -hmm. yep like between especially between betrayal at house on the hill and now these you know three times we played betrayal of Baldur's gate like yeah it's just it's it's fun it's a really good ride yeah yeah and you often can sit and play it three times in a row and everyone is on board with that because it's like it's it's kind of like a, there's zero setup time. Which yeah, is great. there's no there's no setup. You it's there's this like randomness where it's like, may, you know, I know I've seen all these rooms, but maybe there's like a really cool room that I haven't seen before. You know, even though, you know, that's not true. It's just the the like building the board out as you play is like so compelling. Yeah. 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 I feel like the the one problem I have with Betrayal as a game is the the chance that the new person who it's their first time playing the game um, that they might be the traitor and then have to like figure out how to play this entirely new game On again yeah, by themselves. Right. Yeah. I think that's a shitty situation. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so, do you guys want to talk about the assignment? Sure. Cosmic sure, yeah, Star yeah. Heroin. This, is, uh, this game is longer than I thought it was. Yeah, I tried to get into it and could not. This is a this is a JRPG by Zboid that was kickstarted. Uh, it's like a space spy. I liked the art a lot. I thought the art was pretty good. There was a bunch of like cool cutscene pixel art stuff. Yeah, the writing is fine. I like the music a lot. Yeah, like this this sort of music is definitely like. For as much as I dislike anime, I really like anime music for some reason. Hmm. <laughs> um, so it's very much my jam. Uh, I, I played it on easy mode because I just wanted to see the story. And sure. so I can't really speak to the combat. But even on easy mode, I felt like I was having to make a bunch of decisions and manage a bunch of stuff in combat. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I really would have enjoyed this if it had actually been a challenge because doing this and with the possibility of actually losing losing and just having to start over yeah yeah there doesn't seem to be a, like an autosave system like do yeah you know what and saving when is you, kind of cumbersome i what what, what has did anybody die no okay i'm curious what if you died you just have to reload a save because that would be a bummer i am um, shoot up some cosmic star heroin <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was hoping that this would be the like my impression of Z-Boyd games is that they were like a couple hours long and I just never managed to get through them. 
But yeah. looking at, I started looking them up on how long to beat, and they're all like twelve hours long, which oh, is oh, like, shit. okay, this doesn't solve any of the problems no. with JRPGs. Like, no, it g- going from like a forty, like a game that's forty hours long for no reason, to a game that is twelve hours long for the same no reason. Like, I, I don't like. Well, I would, I would say that this game does not. As far as, as I only played for like an hour and a half, but I didn't notice any grinding. Like it's all right. All the battles are set pieces. Yeah. But, and so like it, sure. it does fix that, that problem where like if you enjoy JRPG combat, then it's not a waste of your time. Sure. And I don't not enjoy it, but I don't know what it is about these. I just can't. I guess the, the fights, there was sort of narrative building up in the fights in the, that sort of second mission that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But that said, I didn't, it's not like the fights were integral or fun. Like I, uh, yeah, it was, like the exploration I, of the spaces was cool. I feel like another, it would have been a good idea for like in the narrative mode to have like a, a fifth as many fights. Yeah. Or if the, were something random about the, like I almost feel like random encounters would have been more tolerable than like, because if you just have a bunch of set piece encounters, the designer knew exactly what kind of shape you were going to be when they went in there. And so if you have to attack six times to finish this fight, it's because they decided they wanted you to press that menu button six times. Right. And it's like, if they, if I felt like the fights were being selected by a die roll, then I would sort of feel like I have more agency in actually affecting the outcome of this but the way that it was it's like well i'm gonna hit all these fights in the exact order that they designed them in so like they've just it didn't feel like systems at all i i felt like the the combat system and i didn't feel the crunch here because i was playing on whatever the second to last difficulty level was, but I, I got the impression from the complexity of the fight system that it actually would feel like a puzzle on harder difficulties. Mm. Sure. The, I read some blog posts that they made about the change that they made to status effects and just, it was just, none of it made any sense to me at all. Hmm. It was like, you know how in typically in JRPGs status effects are this, 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 that like, no, I don't, I don't know that. Like I, that's not, doesn't sound like my experience of anything. Well, we've done this, 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 and I'm like, I don't actually understand what that means. Well, there was the guy in the base that you could talk to, and I was like, here, here are the six different status effects that you can have, and here's yeah, and he says like, like, what they do. I'm like, why, what, no, like, what, load that. Give me like a fight where I see the effects of one of these, and like it. I I mean, yeah, yeah. no, I, I actually not like we did an amazing job of making RPG status effects meaningful because it's like, eh, turns out it's that's hard. But I I feel like the when you finish the first mission and you're dumped into a place with a bunch of people to talk to, that is definitely a JRPG staple. And like, I think they had to put it in for that reason. Yeah, I I, like why not have information in there? I wish I hadn't talked to any of those people. Yeah, like I I feel like I I want back every second that I spent talking to all of those people. Listening to them because it was like, did you do the little mini quest where you got somebody a soda? I did. (laughs) Yeah, and then when that was that achieved nothing, nothing, I was like, oh, okay. Well, although maybe they're friendly later, like maybe that sets something up. Sure. Yeah. They'll help you in the final boss. I mean, maybe that's teaching you the critical mechanic that soda does not cure the cough status if you <laughs> get the cough status later. 
but yeah, I just, I like, I think in part, like doing that quest for, and then having it not pay off in anything other than a guy saying, thanks for a soda. Like, I mean, cool. I guess like this was me expressing myself yeah. as a player. Like I'm the kind of person who would just go get a guy a soda. Cause he said he wanted a soda. I've done but, that in real life. It's, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And you know, it's not like, it wasn't like I got. Like I, I brought a guy a soda and he was like, oh, cool. Well, here, here's this magic amulet that's been passed down <laughs> when for I, generations uh, in my family. It'll, yeah, it'll render so you immortal. Thirsty. Like, oh, wow. Sick. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I'm really glad I brought you this soda. Like, <laughs> but like for it being a fake video game person, like I don't get the sense of satisfaction of like, you know, ah, I've been there. Like, no, I haven't. I'm not a sprite <laughs> who is thirsty <laughs> for a sprite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did he at least pay you back how much the soda cost? The soda was free, free yeah. which like, uh, how hard was that, bro? Like, you, like, I guess he's a guard, so he couldn't just leave. Right. He could, we can take the moment to stop and talk to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, like I feel like we keep having to apologize to Patreon <laughs> assignment suggestors for just not. We're not going to be able to play twenty hours of a video. But game but just also like twelve hours of for not game. getting whatever it is that you were hoping that we would get out of this. Like I, at least I, I at least the hitman guy is now getting Jim talking about this for. <laughs> that that's probably a better reaction than any like a Patreon chosen chosen assignment has gotten. Actually, come to think of it, yeah. I really like Hitman. I really wish I wasn't killing people in it. <laughs> I wish our Patreon backer had suggested Deadly Towers. We had so much to say about that. That's right. Yeah. But I wouldn't be playing it again weeks later. That's true. Um, so for our next assignment, uh, what we decided we're going to do is play uh, Natalie Lawhead's game, Everything is Going to Be Okay, which is in one of the IGF categories. Nuovo. The Nuovo category. Uh, so this game is competing against Oikospiel for... I get... Is Oikospiel in the Nuovo? No, it won the Nuovo. Didn't oh, did it? it? Last year. Last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Are they going to do like a... 10 year uh, reunion, like the face off between all of the grand prize winners in, in each category. That'd be nuts. Like a battle Royale. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like every, every winner of the like audio prize has to like get together and jam and see who the best audio game is. <laughs> yeah. The classic uh, competitive music jam. Yep. They have a battle of the bands. Exactly. Man, Ryan, uh, the, the West of Loathing composer, has two games in the IGF. Neither for audio. Neither for audio. That yeah. sucks. It's annoying. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that when I started that <laughs> story. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I have not ever played any of Natalie's games. She is super cool. You and have, actually. You've played, you played the frog game at uh, Fantastic Arcade. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was hers. Yes. Um, the seeing her do stuff at Fantastic Arcade is great, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the, there's there's a definite like weird angle to this. Is like she describes this not as a game, but as an interactive zine. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, zines, man. Remember the nineties? I do. Nineties are pretty good. There's still zines being made. People still. There's a lot of zines being made. Yeah. 
There's a store on Valencia that sells zines. Yeah, like Kate Compton on Twitter, half of it is like, here's some new bot that I wrote that makes uh, interesting generative patterns as SVGs. And, and and then every other one is, I just got back from Kinko's where I printed 400 zines and now I'm distributing my zines. <laughs> so I guess zines are still just a thing. It's def- there's still a, a zine scene. Uh, guys, you know who this episode of Video Games Hot Dog was brought to us by? Who? Oh. Our generous Patreon backers, such as Francisco Zine Scene. <laughs> Cormac McCartney. <laughs> uh, Oliver Origami. It has like six eyes at the end. David Cooperfield. Wait, are you... <laughs> uh, because he makes barrels. Yep. Out, out in the field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. David Fletcherfield. Okay. Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 315 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And that's all. I just really hope you will. I hope so, too. Me, yeah. too. Kakaboo-boo-balaya. Have a great year, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a Hey, look at those problem. bumps. Yeah, look at those better. big old bumps hey. on Jim. I got some big bumps. Look at the big bumps on Brad. <laughs> I thought it was Brett. Oh. Is it? I'm not sure. I know there's there's some um it's it's divisive. Hmm. Whether the guy's name is Brad or Brett. It seems like you could just look at the credits. Which, which, whichever someone says I say I thought it was the other one. Mm-hmm. Just because it starts this conversation and everybody feels very awkward. Okay. Okay, I'm recording. What do you think it is, Riff? Do you think it's look at the big brain on Brad or look at the big brain on Brett? It sounds like he's saying Brad, but I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to actually be Brett. Uh, Who's named Brett, though? Yeah, there, there's also a similar uh, confusion with um, what Honey Bunny shouts in the restaurant that, that I've always misheard. I can't remember exactly now what it is she said or what it is I thought she said, but... I think it's any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Yeah, something like that. That sounds right. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. I forget what I always heard it as, though. Hmm. I knew a guy named Brett in the 90s, which is also when Pulp Fiction was made. His name was Brett in the 90s? <laughs> yes. Ah, that's a good name. <laughs> like Dave by the Boat. <laughs> <laughs>